Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Nehemiah had come to Jerusalem to put up some walls. Now, if you were with us on Sunday, you know we were talking about walls, and we were talking about the church is the people, not the building. Were you with me Sunday? The church is the people, not the building, and not the walls. And listen, as Christians, I think we must, we should put up some walls around our hearts. You know, we need to put up some walls around our worship so it remains strong. We need to put up some walls around our life in regard to prayer. We need to put up some walls in our lives in regard to the Internet. We need to put some walls up in regard to reading and hearing and keeping the Word of God. There needs to be walls around your life when it comes to your thought life. I think of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It tells us to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to erect some walls in regard to the things that produce spiritual health. A wall symbolizes protection and separation. And you build a wall by submitting to God's will. Obedience builds spiritual walls and separates us from Satan and the world. Did you hear me? Obedience builds walls and separates us from Satan and the world. Now listen, when you decide you're going to build some walls of separation in your life, Satan is never happy. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You know, when you, when you say, you know, Lord, I'm going to pray. Has this ever happened to you? You say, Lord, I'm going I'm to pray. I'm going to take time and I'm going to have a time of prayer, and I'm going to dedicate this time of prayer to you. And everything comes against you to distract you. Doesn't it happen? The phone rings, the kids need attention, something happens, who knows, but Satan comes, you got to put some walls up. When you decide you aren't going to party anymore, all your party friends start calling you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. When you decide you're not going to do drugs anymore, all your old drug buddies, all your old drug dealers start calling you. And, and you might be thinking, well, that just completely does not relate to me. I mean, I just don't. That's just not that doesn't relate to me at all. But I can tell you something. There are some in this room that that relates to. So everything I say ain't for you. It ain't. (laughs) 
Really? Just when you say, God, I don't want to do drugs anymore, I'm not going to be involved in that kind of lifestyle anymore, all of a sudden phone calls, old guys start calling you up, all of those kind of things. You've got to decide to build walls in your life and to put some walls up. And, and, and how do you do that? Lose some phone numbers. That's a practical way. And turn off, you're going to go to prayer, turn off your cell phone. You know, don't go to certain places. Put up some walls in your life. When you decide to... Get on target with God. The devil always disturbs you, doesn't he? These guys are disturbed, Sambalat and Tobiah. And they're riled up, feathers ruffled, in a tizzy, because someone has come to serve the Savior. Many believe that Sambalat is related to the Samaritans because the Bible tells us he's a Hornite. And his ancestors are Moabites. And you know Moab and Aaron are illegitimate children of Lot. Interesting, these guys didn't care anything for Jerusalem. They didn't care that they are weak and vulnerable. And even though the temple was there and worship was being conducted, everything was cool. As long as the people of God were not strong and secure. Doesn't that sound like the enemy? The opposition didn't come from, didn't didn't come at the heart stage. Like Nehemiah is bothered in his heart while still in uh, 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 Persia. The opposition didn't come at the, at the vision stage. Listen to me. The opposition didn't come, and the opposition is Sambalat and Tobiah. The opposition didn't come at the prayer stage or even at the planning stage. The opposition came in the doing stage. The enemy is fine as long as you don't act on the spiritual things you want to do. You can pray about going to prayer meeting every month. You can pray about reading your Bible. You can say, God, I'm going to start reading my Bible. You can pray all day long as long as you don't act. If you don't act, Satan won't bother you. Verse 11, Nehemiah. Did you look, look at verse 11? Nehemiah is in Jerusalem, 900 miles with soldiers and timber and a caravan scholars believe it took two months to get there It was a two-month trip notice he didn't start anything for three days why because the journey was long and it was harsh terrain Uh, they didn't travel with a u-haul truck pulled by suv it was rough and tough terrain to travel so he's probably tired after such a long journey and he rested did you get that he was there for three days And he rested. You know, some people don't know how to rest. Now, I'm not not asking for a participation here. (laughs) And I'm working on it. Honestly, I am. I'm trying to, Ted, don't look at me like that. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm working on it. I, I really am. I'm trying to learn how to, learn how to rest. And, and actually, I've been doing better because like on Mondays now, I, I don't even take my, my phone out of my, I carry like this little satchel pack, backpack thing, and I don't even take my phone out of it now. Don't even, I just leave it in there and it's, I can hear it. And every now and then I gravitate over to it and then I go, nope, can't do it. It's Monday. You know, I take, I'm trying to learn to rest and try, because I am learning that, um, you know, four, four weekends, four, uh, four services on a weekend, that's a lot. And, and I actually do feel it on, on Monday. And so I'm learning that 
you know, I think I said it a long time ago that if, if you don't come apart, you'll come apart. So you got to come apart and get rested and, and get away or you'll come apart. You'll be worthless. You know, so I'm learning that, you know, you need that. And if for nothing else, you need your mind to rest. You need your mind to have a break. You know, there is a level, you know, I think a lot of times people don't understand this. They look at the pulpit and they think that, oh, that looks pretty easy. Or they, you know, they go, well, you know, oh, I could do that. Pastor, all he does is get up there and talk for a, who can't do that? They don't realize that not only is it, you know, the hours of preparation, okay, fine. But when you get here, there is a, a, a insurmountable undescribable, incomprehensible amount of spiritual warfare that comes at you when you stand behind this pulpit. Every single time you stand up to speak for God, you must understand that Satan is not happy about that. Satan knows that somebody's going to be changed tonight because something's going to be said he, in, in Nehemiah chapter 2. He's going to try to stop you from getting here. And if he can't stop you from getting here, then he wants to distract you while you're here. And if he can't distract you while you're here, then he'll seek to distract me while you're here. So that you miss that word. There's an insurmountable amount of spiritual warfare that goes along with the teaching of the word of God that's separate from actually the actual doing of the work. And that's why a lot of times you'll hear me say during my teaching, you'll hear me say something like, uh, uh, are you praying for me? You ever heard me say that? That's not filler. That's not filler. I mean it. I mean, I mean, I want you to listen. And I want you to, in your heart and in your spirit, I want you to be praying at the same time. You can do both, Christian. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. I'm going to try that again. That hurt my head. You can do both, Christian. Wait till I tell you. I I need you to be praying for me. I'm saying, are you praying? I want you, I need you to be praying for me because a lot of times I'll say that there's spiritual warfare. I can feel it. I know it. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. If you've been walking with God for 30 years and you can't identify spiritual warfare, something's wrong with you. Somebody say amen. And so I'm preaching and I'm like, are you praying for me? I need you to be praying for me because it's in those times right in the middle of teaching that Satan will seek to distract my mind and get me off track. And that's why it's important that we come and I'm always setting up the environment. I need you to have your book out and have your minds ready. And I'm always, listen, you can count on me for this. I am always praying for you. Not individually. I don't know all y'all individually. I'm just keeping it 100. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I, I, I want to, but I don't. But I can pray for the sanctuary corporately and say, God, when the people come, Lord, give them a heart to want to come and worship you. God, give them a heart to want to listen. Because it's in listening that you will get a word from God. It's in listening that you'll receive a word and God's going to change your life. But if you don't hear it, you won't be changed. We got, I'm going to wait while you clap your hand there. 
So I'm learning. Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem and, and he's and he rested. And, 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 you know, and if you don't get rest and, and get refreshed, Satan's going to use that. Nehemiah knew that. And that's why when he got to Jerusalem, he rested for three days to refocus for the work God had for him to do. And I also believe Nehemiah during those three days was praying because that's his nature. He was a man of prayer. Look at verse 12. After three days, Nehemiah gets up at night. He goes out with a few guys on a fact-finding mission around Jerusalem. And this is a sign of a good leader, saints. A good leader will get up at night and spend time alone with God. Oftentimes praying and assessing what needs to be done. A good leader will go out and gather the facts first and then plan the strategy. Nehemiah is walking and probably praying, Lord, forgive us. Lord, rebuild the fiber of this nation. Did you get that? While others are asleep, Nehemiah was wide awake, burdened, praying, Conscious of the desperate need, conscious of the shame of the torn down walls. And again, before you initiate your vision, you should investigate. In other words, do your walking before you do your talking. Notice in verse 13 through 16, we just read it. So there's so much rubble, he couldn't ride under the gate with an animal. And so he left the animal and the guys and he's walking alone. Saints, I need you to get this. So Nehemiah is walking alone and walking along and he's looking at the ruins. He wasn't sightseeing. Verse 13 and verse 15 both tell us that Nehemiah viewed the walls. I want you to write this down. This word viewed is an interesting word because it's actually a medical term. I was going back and forth with a friend uh, this morning. I was so excited when I, when I learned this this morning that this word viewed is a medical term in the Hebrew language, and it means probing a wound to see the extent of the damage. Probing, it's it's a medical term. Probing a wound to see the extent of the damage. Like when you go to a doctor and you say, my stomach hurts, and he may say, lay down, and then he begins to probe around perhaps something like that, or maybe, you know, you've got a big cut or something like that, and they have to put the gloves on, they've got to look at it and probe around to see the extent of the damage. That's what this word viewed the walls. That's what Nehemiah was doing. He was walking around Jerusalem to see the extent of the damage. This is the first time Nehemiah has been in Jerusalem. This is the first time he sees with his own two eyes, are y'all getting this? This is the first time he sees with his own two eyes Hakaliah, what Hakaliah and, and Hanani told him concerning the condition of Jerusalem. This is the first time that he's been in Jerusalem. It's the first time he sees what God had called him to repair. Are y'all listening? And there is no way he could walk around and see these things for the first time and have a dry eye. One possible. His heart had to be broken as he walked along and he walked through one gate after another. So Nehemiah is walking along, just he and God. Somebody once called this, and I want you to write this down, a sanctified loneliness. 
a sanctified loneliness. When God is going to use a man or a woman mightily, there is the place of sanctified loneliness that is necessary. And it's a lonely place to be. No man or woman can go there with you. It's a transaction that takes place between you and the Lord. Did you hear me? If you want to be used by God, you got to go through this. And I don't know a man or a woman who has been used by God who would not tell you, Pastor Rodney, that is exactly right. I'm a witness. It is impossible for God to use you unless you get in this place of sanctified loneliness. A transaction that takes place between you and the Lord. Somebody else once called it sanctified loneliness slash the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. That's the place where you feel broken. That's the place where you feel forsaken by God. I I think, I think this might be what Jesus felt when he's on the cross and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It's a sanctified loneliness, the dark night of the soul. For Jesus, are y'all listening? For Jesus, this was the first time that he ever really experienced a separation between God and himself in which the Father could not look upon sin. Jesus is on the cross bearing the entire sin of the world. The Father can't look at that, so he's got to turn away. It's almost like when your kids are something, some of of y'all can't stand to see your kids get sutures. You're like, oh, I can't watch that. I just, oh, I can't, I can't watch that. Well, the father couldn't watch it for his son to have to bear the sin of the entire world on his shoulders. And for Jesus, it was a sanctified loneliness right there. For Jesus, it was a dark night of the soul right there. Before God can use you, God has to prepare you and sanctify you. I think of Moses, who spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. I think of David, who spent many years among the sheep alone. God had Elijah alone praying before he comes on the scene. John the Baptist in the wilderness until the day he comes on the scene. Paul the apostle in the deserts of Arabia, unlearning the religiosity and the legalism of the law. Sanctified loneliness, that's what we're talking about. John the apostle on the island of Patmos. Nero thinks, I got this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, well, we can't kill him. He won't die. We try to boil a man, he won't burn up. We try to kill him, he just won't bleed out. So we'll put him on the island of Patmos and just forget about him there on the rocky, barren island, not knowing all of that was in God's perfect plan. All of that was in God's perfect will to get John to a place where he can experience the dark night of the soul. Where are my people at? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and, and to get John, I'll wait, I'll wait. And to get John to that place of sanctified loneliness and the dark night of the soul so that God can then give him the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
In other words, the flip side of that is if John had not been in that place of sanctified loneliness or the dark night of the soul, that he would not have been able to get the revelation of Jesus Christ. You have to go through that. And that's it's horrible. Horrible, 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 terrible, 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 awful. I've been there. I'm telling you. It's lonely. It's confusing. It's dark. Everything seems so ambiguous and elusive. And I'm doing the work of the ministry, but ah, it's just. I can't really I can't seem to get my, get, get, God, I can't seem to touch you. And even the more I get on my knees to pray and the more I read the Bible, and God, it doesn't seem like I can really touch you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's terrible. But I will tell you this, weeping may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You need to clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. Yes, you do. Let me tell you why. Because if you go through it, listen, if you go through it and you don't give up and you don't run, you will come out better. You will come out with a clarity and a, 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 a surety and a strength and a security and a depth of knowledge of who God is, not knowledge of the word, but just of who God is, you'll come out and you won't be the same. I'm trying to help somebody. But you got to get through this. And you got to wait on the Lord. That's why I keep telling you that recurring theme and that recurring idea of waiting on God. Stop moving so quick. Stop running around. Stop telling everybody everything and putting all your stuff on Facebook so that everybody can know what you're going through. Quiet down and tell God and watch God step in and do for you what you can't do for yourself. Stop. It's going to be okay if you stop. You're the one confusing the issue. God is saying, listen, you're in the place I want you to be. This is a dark night of the soul. You cannot say, God, I want to be used by you. God, I want you to use my life and make me the woman of God you want me to be. Make me the man of God you want me to be. And you don't go through this. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. And I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know. I'm not telling, this is not, listen to me. This is, what I'm telling you now is not chapter and verse. It's not chapter and verse. These are things that certainly can be supported scripturally, the idea. But it's not going, well, if God wants to use you, you you will have to go through the dark night of the soul. If thou wouldest not runneth, 
Thou shouldest stayeth where thou beeth. Albeit, if thou wouldest, it's not like that. You get me. So you have to go through it. And you look at, look at like, look, look at Moses, look at David, look at Elijah, look at John the Baptist, look at Paul the Apostle, look at John, John the Apostle. Look at every great man and woman of God throughout history that God has used. And you have to understand this. You have to accept it. God's going to use you. There are going to be deserts. There are going to be islands. Maybe you need to write that down. If God's going to use me, then there's going to be deserts. If God's going to use me, there's going to be islands. If God's going to use me, there's going to be lonely places. And God, listen, reserves the right to take you there. And it's necessary. God doesn't do things that are unnecessary. It's necessary. And you got to be willing to say, God, this is my broken life. This needs to be changed. The walls in this area of my life are broken down and they need to be rebuilt. God, there's so much rubble in my life I can't get past. And when you say that, listen, that's when the rebuilding begins. And what we're talking about, listen, is foreign. This is foreign to our cultural thinking. I understand. There's probably people in this room have no idea what I'm talking about. Because this is foreign to our cultural thinking. It doesn't mean you don't need to hear it. Matter of fact, you need to hear it. But it's foreign to our cultural thinking. You go to the bookstore, you want to know what our cultural thinking is? Go to our bookstore, not our bookstore, but go to a bookstore and, and look on the shelves in a Christian bookstore, and, and just look at what's on the shelves. Then you can you get an idea of feeling for what the Christian world out there is doing. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.